You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Soon, all of the prophetic events outlined for us in God's Word, not only here in the book of Revelation, but elsewhere, even in the Old Testament, will begin the course of fulfillment. That history that God has written for us in advance, and thus the book of Revelation is the book for the present hour. And I think that that statement was never more true than it is today. If you have any doubts about whether world events were lining up with end times prophecy, this last year should have put them at ease. The pandemic, political and economic upheaval, followed by social unrest, as well as wildfires and devastating floods are all predicted to increase drastically as the time of Christ's return approaches. As Pastor Mike begins his study of the book of Revelation in today's message, He'll point out just how appropriate its contents are for us right here and now. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Revelation chapter 1 as he begins his message, The Revelation of Christ. Jesus Christ, which God gave him, that is Jesus, notice the Father gave to his Son, Jesus, to show to his servants, that's who you would be, things that must shortly take place. So notice the emphasis is on future things. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keeps those things which are written in it for the time is near. Father, we pray now that you bless not only this message, but this whole new series of studies, Lord, over these next several months. And God, I pray that you minister to each one in a very relevant and personal kind of a way. Lord, we pray that we would receive revelation, truly revelation from you, Lord, and and insights into this this wonderful book of the Bible. And uh, may it be an encouragement to us. May it strengthen us. Father, we pray that the gifts of the Holy Spirit would be in operation during this time in the areas of wisdom and knowledge and prophecy. God, speak to us. Now, Lord, settle our hearts. Help us to thoroughly enjoy the remainder of our time together. God, as we just sit at your feet and learn of you. God, we thank you. Bless now. God, let my words be your words. For we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. So let's get right to it. Our first point, and if you're taking notes, write this down. A book for the present hour. Notice here in our text, uh, the Bible tells us in verse 3, for the time is near. So I don't think we, it's a stretch of the imagination to come to the conclusion that this, this in fact is a book for the present hour. For we read, for the time is near. An observation. I believe that we are living in the most fearful of times man has ever known. You probably agree. The earth as a whole seems to be going through one catastrophe after another. There's great unrest among nations. In fact, Jesus told us about that. There would be distress among nations with no way out and uh, no uh, solutions to man's problems. And that's true. We've seen that prophecy being fulfilled. So there's great unrest among nations. There's the threat of terrorism and war, technological warfare, biological warfare, as we just recently saw in Syria, right? As they use biological weapons against their own people. And so there's one political crisis taking place after another. The terrible capacities that we possess to inflict death upon vast populations of people is certainly disconcerting, to say the least. The world has seemed to have shrunk because of our many new means of communication. I mean, think about it. If an event or tragedy takes place in a remote part of the world, it's broadcast around the world in minutes. And all people everywhere are affected simultaneously. What affects individuals upon another continent affects individuals right here in the heartland of America. Listen, most serious Bible students believe, and I would place myself in that category, we are living near the end of the age. And soon all of the prophetic events outlined for us in God's Word, not only here in the book of Revelation, but elsewhere, even in the Old Testament, will begin the course of fulfillment. That history that God has written for us in advance. And thus the book of Revelation is the book for the present hour. And I think that that statement was never more true than it is today. And so that's exactly why I believe that the book of Revelation is a book for the present hour. Now that brings us to our second point, a special blessing promised. Go back uh, to our text here, and uh, notice it says in verse 3, Blessed, or oh how happy, is he who reads, and those who hear the words of this prophecy, and keeps those things. That, that phrase, keeps those things, could rather be translated, watch overs those things. And so notice here, there is a special blessing promised for those who read and treasure this book, who adhere to the admonitions that are contained within it. And this happens to be unique to this particular book of the Bible. Of all of the 66 books of the Bible, this promise is unique to this one. Now, we shouldn't be surprised, but I mean, there's a blessing that's derived in every book that we read and every, every book that we study and ponder and meditate upon and, and seek its personal application. I mean, Jesus himself said in John's Gospel in chapter 6 and verse 63, concerning the scriptures, he says, the words I speak to you are spirit and they are 
life. You see, there's a special strength, think about it, acquired through understanding this book that will equip us for the conflict of the days ahead. And so if we understand this book, I believe that it will change the way that we live. There'll be an urgency about doing what God wants us to do. You know, making sure that we have our, if you will, our, you know, everything in order, our priorities set and in order. So if we understand this book and everything that is contained within it, all of the exhortations, all of the, uh, uh, the lessons, uh, con- looking into the future, things that are going to come uh, to pass, there'll be a sense of urgency about our becoming the kinds of men and women that God wants us to become. Because there's no more time to kind of just, you know, slough off and uh, think that there, we still have a bunch of time. Yeah, I, I, think that this is a, uh, I think that this is one of the ploys of the, of the enemy. You know, to have us to believe that there's plenty of time left, you know, to, to get things right and to clean up our act. You know, how many times I've heard, uh, you know, people say to me, you know, Pastor Mike, I'm young and I'm, I'm kind of still you know, feeling my way through my Christian experience, and there's so much in life that I still haven't experienced. And, you know, when I get a little bit older, when all of these other things fall into place, and when I reach these goals, whatever those goals may happen to be, you know, then I'll get more serious about my relationship with the Lord. I know I need to get serious about my relationship with the Lord. And then they just go on and keep putting it off and keep putting it off and keep putting it off. Ten years later... They're back in my office and counseling again, and they're still putting things off and off, and they've never gotten around you know, to, to be coming and making that commitment, becoming the kinds of people that God wants them to become. And so when we read this book, there's a sense of urgency. Now's the time to really make sure that our, our acts are cleaned up, if I can use that expression, and that we're right with the Lord, and we have all of our ducks in their order, if you will, Right? And we're, we're making sure that we make that commitment to live right in the center of God's will for our uh, lives. And so I believe that if we understand this book of the Bible, it will change the way that we live. It will keep us from fear for all of the fearful things that are coming upon the, the earth. It'll keep us from being blown away for the things coming upon the earth. We'll, we'll be able to see the the bigger picture, if you will. You know, God's hand in all that's going on. And listen, the truth be told, and this is the, and this is the reason why we don't need to be fearful. You know, God is allowing or not allowing to go on the things upon the earth according to his perfect plan and will. And this is particularly true for his children, right? All things, remember, the book of Romans, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. And he's not going to allow anything to come into your life except which is good. He has a plan. He has a purpose. And he's working out that eternal plan and purpose in and through your life. And so as we go through this book of the Bible and we apprehend it and we begin to understand it and digest it, we'll know that God is watching out for his own. In 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5, verses 4, 5, and 9, he says, But you, brethren, are not in darkness. So we'll, we'll be able to see the bigger picture. You know, the things that, are, that cause people to be fearful in this present age won't, won't have that same effect upon us. 
because we'll know that God is still on the throne. He has a plan. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so deep. You are all sons of light and daughters of light and sons and daughters of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. And then in verse 9, for God did not appoint us to wrath. Remember that. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. I just wanted to mention this. I don't have it in my notes or anything, but this is very important. It's particularly when we move into Revelation chapter uh, 6, when the Antichrist is revealed and the seven years of tribulation begin, immediately after the revealing of the Antichrist. It's God pouring out his wrath upon a Christ-rejecting world. He's purging the earth of those cataclysmic judgments prior to his second coming and establishing his kingdom upon the earth. But he is the one who brings those judgments upon the earth. Now, what does it say here? For God did not appoint us. And who is the writer writing to? He's writing to the church. So this is just... I think, additional evidence that validates that the church is not going to be here during the seven years of tribulation. I think before the tribulation period even begins, the church is going to be raptured because God did not appoint us to wrath. So just some more evidence. And as we move through this, I'll I'll draw out some other reasons why I believe that to be true. But rather to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you another cross-reference. In Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. There Jeremiah says, I know the thoughts I... Well, this is God speaking through the prophet. I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And so that's the way that God relates to you and to me. He brings us to a place in this book where we can know the end, how things turn out. Why is that? Because, you know what, we have the, you know, this is the last, if you go to the last page in your Bible, we know exactly how this whole thing works out, right? And, uh, and, and it's all good, right? It's all good. And so uh, addressing the final results here in this book of the Bible, of man's sinful tendencies, how the world systems crumble and fall, the failures and victories of the church, the judgment which shall fall upon the nation of Israel. All of these things are written and recorded for us in this book of the Bible. And so those are some of the things that we're going to be talking about. Those are some of the things that we're going to be addressing as we go through this. Now, let's get to it. First of all, I think we should begin uh, at the beginning. And that would be with the title of this book of the Bible. And I think some people are really confused about the title. They refer to it as the book of Revelation. But it's even more than that. Notice, check out the title. The Revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Make no mistake about that. The word revelation can uh, can also be translated apocalypse. And what does that mean? the apocalypse, or the revelation. Literally, it means the unveiling, or to take off a covering, or to expose to view. Who? 
What are we talking about? Well, we're talking about an unveiling of Jesus Christ. Again, notice the title. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ and all of his glory and all of his majesty as God himself. Like no other book of the Bible reveals to us the person of Jesus Christ. And so I think that that's significant. I think that that's something that we need to take special note of. And I love that, you know. He's not depicted for us like he is in the Gospels as the suffering Savior. Here he's, he is depicted rather as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's sitting upon the throne. Those that are around the throne are worshiping him equally as God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He's the one who has the title deed to earth in his hand, that scroll, you see. And uh, he's the one who's bringing the judgments. He's the one that the people upon the earth realizes that it is he who's pouring out judgments upon the earth. And they're crying out, hide us from the Lamb of God, you know. And uh, they're hiding in the rocks and in the cliffs. Hide us from the wrath of the Lamb, they cry out. And we see him here in the book of Revelation like no place... uh, like no other place throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament alike. And so it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, the unveiling of him. So, go back to verse 1. Notice here, God the Father is pleased to disclose with a special unveiling, with a special blessing, we've already established that, his answer to the world's problems. And what is the answer to the world's problem? It's his son, the risen Lord. So, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of different things, as I've already mentioned. We'll talk about uh, the cataclysmic judgments. We'll talk about uh, Mystery Babylon. We'll talk about this final uh, ecumenical uh, church and world system that exists during the seven years of tribulation that's destroyed. We'll talk about the War of Armageddon. Uh, We'll talk about uh, a variety of different things. Uh, We'll talk about the Antichrist. We'll talk about his regime. We'll talk about the false prophet. We'll talk about the restored temple uh, during this particular time. But all of those things are incidental to the person of Jesus Christ. So the point that I'm trying to make is don't miss Jesus in this book. Focus in on him. You know, some people sort of like discarded Jesus from this book. And they're more interested in these other things, which are pretty exciting, I I would admit. But don't miss Jesus in this book. Jesus in his present and future glory. Not as the suffering Savior, as I've already mentioned, but as the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lord of the heavens and the earth. Now also... In this title, I want you to take special note of this as well. It says the revelation. It doesn't say the mystery. It doesn't say the hiding, right? So what's the point? Well, it's this. The wisdom, the instructions, the lessons, the warnings are all attainable. This is not a closed book. It's not only for a privileged few or the deepest of thinkers. It's for all of us. In fact, it's been described in this way, and I quote, as a light that illuminates all the rest of the Bible, 
so that God's plan throughout the ages becomes a clear stream of truth. Now, with that said, let's talk about the order. Let's go back to verses 1 and 2, and let's talk about the order of how this revelation came to us. And I think that this is important to, uh, to consider as well. So here is the order of things. And this brings us to our fourth point, and that is the root by which the revelation came to us. Notice, first of all, we are told in verse 1 that the Father gave it to the Son. Do you see that? Do you see that there in the first part of verse 1? In other words, showing him, God the Father, showing him, the Son, the glory that should be revealed. Now, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And I think to some extent, revelation is that joy that was set before Jesus. And as the Father showed him the place that he would occupy in the ages to come. A king ruling over a restored world and a righteous people who love him. Now, someone might say, or be thinking at this point, wait a second, isn't he God? Isn't he equal with God the Father? Doesn't he know all things? Yes. But, but remember, in his humanity, during the time in which he was walking upon the face of the earth, he limited himself. It was a choice that he made. But now he knows all things. Like, for example, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 13, in verse 32, it says, but of that day and hour, and he's referring to the rapture of the church here in context, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So do you see that he limited himself in his humanity when he walked upon the face of the earth? But that was a choice that he made. But now, presently, I want you to understand that he knows all things. And again, I want you to consider this whole as a part of the revelation. It came from the Father, who in turn gave it to his son. But then notice also in turn, under the same heading, Jesus then gave the revelation to his angel. Now, who is this angel? Well, we're not, we're not given the identity of the angel, but I suspect it was probably Gabriel. Now, why would I come to that conclusion? Well, I mean, think about it. As it related to the first coming of Christ, it seemed as if Gabriel was given charge of seeing to all of the affairs of his first coming. So it may possibly be that he had been given and commissioned by God the affairs concerning Christ's second coming. In my Father's house there's a place for me in my father's house where I long to be oh my heart. That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. We're so glad you joined Pastor Mike today to study the book of Revelation, the final book in the Bible. If you'd like to listen to more, just visit our website, harvestnyc.org. 
You can also subscribe to the In My Father's House with Mike Finizio podcast. Just search for it on your favorite podcast platform. We'd love for you to join us for worship this weekend at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet at 11 a.m. and you can reserve your seat online by clicking on contact at harvestnyc.org. We're located in Midtown Manhattan and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area or if you're just unable to attend in person right now, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time of studying God's Word. We're live streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to catch up with previous messages, check out our services through our Vimeo link, or you can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Links to all these are available at our website, harvestnyc.org. Before we end our time with you, we'd like to give you the opportunity to partner with us in this ministry. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting In My Father's House? Donations of any size can be made securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Thanks for praying about this, and thanks for joining us today on In My Father's House. Oh